Welcome to the Demand Generation Club podcast, the first podcast exclusively dedicated to B2B demand generation secrets and best practices as shared by some of the top leaders in the industry. This podcast is brought to you by SASMQL, the account-based marketing agency based in Redwood City, California. They help venture-funded SaaS companies scale demand generation from target accounts. By combining intent data, automation, and a proven methodology, SASMQL can help your startup generate millions of dollars in sales opportunities within a few months. To learn more, go to sasmql.com. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the second season of the Demand Generation Club podcast. I'm your host, Franco Caporale. If you have missed the last season, you can check every episode at demandgenerationclub.com. In the upcoming episode, we'll interview demand generation and B2B marketing leaders and we'll focus on a different topic for each episode. Our guest today is Neda Tagliai, Head of Demand Generation at HIP. HIP is a digital product analytics platform for those who need to understand how users interact with their company's product, site, or digital experience. With HIP, organizations of all sizes can remove technical bottlenecks and gain a single comprehensive view of their customers. In the last 10 years, Neda has served in growth roles across sales and marketing. Before HIP, Neda was VP of Marketing at Splash, overseeing demand gen, marketing ops, digital marketing, events, and more. Prior to Splash, she established Candio, a boutique consulting agency where she supported growth strategies across top of funnel and bottom to strengthen customer acquisition and retention. Neda has held marketing roles at Tableau, Armoire, and Fierce. She's a fearless leader who believes in growing people and companies. So I'm really happy to welcome today Neda Tagliai, Head of Demand Generation at HIP. Neda, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I would like to ask you right away a little bit about your background. What was your career like? What were your previous roles and what is your, um, your role today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with where I'm at today, which I'm currently at a company called Heap. Uh, we are a digital product analytics platform, and we, we help a mix of different companies, industries, look at conversion rate optimization, how is their product performing, help them measure things like engagement, adoption, and really look at how to improve results, how I got here. Uh, my path has been a little bit interesting. I started early in my career as a salesperson. I worked for a leadership and development company in Seattle, and I transitioned into working at Tableau, uh, now owned by Salesforce, and really, I would say, grew my career there in terms of like, how do I work on a daily basis? I got brought onto the demand gen team. I was working in field marketing with our enterprise sales team and really kind of moved into integrated campaign management where I was focused on growing our enterprise and IT audience and actually then did a stint at a, a small startup uh, to sell online women's rental clothing to just kind of test out my skills. And um, shortly after that, I actually started my own consulting company um, where I was working with a mix of companies to go out and work on things like customer engagement, what is the actions that customer success people are taking? I worked with um, a cool data streaming company um, on their content strategy and some demand gen efforts. And I've really just kind of made my way through and had the opportunity to join Splash, 
um, a couple of years ago, which was an event marketing platform company, and to sit as their VP of marketing, which really gave me a, a really great purview all of over all of marketing. Um, and that's really what led me to my role today. So I've kind of seen all of the marketing mix. I've seen a lot of the sales mix. And um, it's been a really great way to kind of like test the skills, explore new areas, and just find my place and demand, which is where I think I thrive um, and where I really enjoy marketing the most. And you have been at HIP for about two or three months now. What was your uh, initial impact and what were your first priorities there? Digest and absorb as much as I can. The first priorities were just really understand our business in terms of like, what is our go-to-market motion? Where do we need to improve? And how can we how can we actually do a better job of executing demand generation programs? And so I've spent really the last three months focused on looking at one, what are we doing? How do we do it? Both across marketing as well as sales, um, because of sitting in, you know, the, the head of demand role, you're really understanding like what's happening at the very top of the funnel. Also what's happening mid funnel, how are we executing? And then what's happening obviously with our closed one uh, and lost data and what can we do? Where can we get better? Um, where can we be more strategic and where can we put structure into place? So some of the first things were like, figure out digital, right? From a marketing perspective, how do we improve what's coming inbound from a digital perspective? Um, what is what's happening across our paid channels? Um, how do we improve volume there knowing that it's, you know, a very cost-effective way to drive inbound, inbound leads and really generate pipeline from that channel. It's something that I know works. I've seen it done really well. And that was one of the first things that uh, I prioritized. In addition to that, it was really looking at the demand team and kind of just assessing like, what do we need to do to be successful and really grow the team? And so we've been doing quite a bit of hiring and just like moving people into different types of roles where they're focused, for example, on like integrated campaigns. We've transitioned one of our demand gen marketers into a growth marketer who's really focused on uh, driving like our product-led growth. So we've made both some structural changes as well as like role changes to help us move the needle on where we want to go in the next year. And HIP is a very fast-growing company. Uh, so how do you approach now 2021? What is uh, kind of your plan compared to, to last year, obviously from what you were able to gather in, in these few months? Yeah, so we're, um, we're definitely going to be focused on a tighter go-to-market motion um, in terms of like what we're saying, who we're saying it to, and what exactly is the sales motion and marketing motion behind that. Um, so we're really looking at business segmentation and audiences, personas, um, and kind of just going back to the drawing board. So a lot of work has been done in the last three months to really set us up for our our new fiscal year, which will be starting here on February 1st of 2021. So we're excited about that. And as far as like top priorities, it's it really is on just like, you know, doing a really good job at executing um, from a marketing perspective. You know, our team has grown, which is awesome. But with that comes, uh, you know, the growth pains of how are we going to do things? How does that change the way that we work together? And one of the things that I'm kind of dead set on is making sure we have a really healthy motion 
and that we're all kind of marching to the same drumbeat at the end of the day, that it's smooth and it feels more of like a dance rather than where we're at right now, which is a little bit more, this team is doing this, uh, demand is doing this, but I really want to see coordination improve because I believe that will help us do a better job executing. Um, And execution is one of the areas that I want to see us improve. And part of what we're doing there is like putting in the right structure and building out some process for our team so that we actually know how to work best together. So we're doing a lot of team process, um, also just a lot of open conversations about what is and what isn't working so that we can, you know, start off the new year with a really sound plan uh, to go and execute. That's awesome. And what kind of tools do you use to help you with this execution and, and to track all of your processes? Great question. So we are, um, we recently brought on a project management tool because that's something that, you know, as you're growing uh, a marketing team with different campaigns and different programs, one of the things that keeps everyone kind of coordinated is just project planning, project management. And so we are actually working through right now the right structure for our project management tool so that everyone knows how to use it and Part of, um, part of that project management aspect is also the communication. So that tool will help us better communicate as a team, as well as with the rest of our organization. So they'll know what's happening. Uh, they'll know when to ask to get involved or where to go for information or links. Um, so we're actually super excited about this effort. Both what is the like, tool that you guys are using? Yeah, we're using Ripe. Oh, nice. Shameless plug for Ripe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They just actually got acquired, I believe, by Atlassian, um, but we'll be using Break for our internal project management. Yeah, I like to hear names of uh, tech stack because I think people love to hear, you know, what other other imagination professionals are using in their company. So I always like to, to mention them. We, used, we, we evaluated quite a few and we went with Break because we knew we would grow into it. So my, my goal here is to keep our processes as simple as we can today, um, but knowing that we can, this tool will also be there as we grow and as we um, expand our marketing team and as our company grows as well. Perfect. And what do you guys use for, uh, for marketing automation and uh, CRM? Yeah, so our tech stack, um, we, are, we use Salesforce and Marketo, big fan of Marketo. The rest of our tech stack, we've got a number of tools, but... My favorite addition to the tech stack is actually Heap, which is obviously I work for the company. Of course, I'm going to say this, but the reality is, is like, I've been at a couple companies now. My last company, Splash, we also were using Heap and we were able to do some pretty cool things with marketing programs. And more recently, um, right now in beta, we've got a Heap and Marketo uh, integration. So we can do some pretty cool targeting. We can do some really great segmenting and we can really build out personalization at scale with this new integration. So it's something our team has been playing with quite a bit for the last three months. And it was actually like one of the first things I got involved with during my first week on the job. I started um, working on our Marketo heap. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And it's actually taken off and it will continue to grow and be a major part of our business. So it's very exciting. And obviously data is, you know, a huge part of what you do every day. So can you, Tell me more about how you are approaching all of this significant amount of data that you probably have access to, to drive better uh, demand generation processes and results. Yeah. So 
I think my uh, my love for data probably started early uh, in my career at Fierce, where I had to go in and do um, obviously all of the like. I was a BDR, and then I moved into a BDR manager, living on the marketing team. And I ended up doing a lot of our reporting in terms of like conversion rates, you know, what was coming in, how are things converting, what's moving to close one. And one of the things that I learned very quickly was like, why am I doing this every month or every couple of weeks in Excel? It was a super, you know, big pain. And um, that's when I started searching for products. And that's actually how I found Tableau. And then I quickly fell in love with the tool, which ultimately made me want to work there. And at Tableau, I learned a lot just about like the data streams and, um, you know, just where different data comes from, how you can use it to actually like do your job better as a marketer. And I always said like, what if I just had this piece of data? I could do these things. Um, And that's a mix of like attributes um, that, you know, larger organizations have probably had for a long time, but smaller companies weren't really accessing data like that. you know, 10 years ago and, and doing targeted programs based on like the tech stack that we can now get from tools like Clearbit or Zoom or Discover Org. So um, the ability to target with data that comes from different sources has been game-changing, I would say, you know, just as a marketer. Um, and so when we think about the role of product usage data, in that, um, especially for you know those of us in kind of the SaaS, the SaaS world, understanding where people are falling off from you know the sign up trial page, where they're in their product, and what's actually happening, and not having to go like ask engineering or partner with product marketing, who partners with product management, who partners with engineering to get a flag installed, you know, in the product has been a differentiator, I would say, and it will continue to be a differentiator for us and for others who are looking to like grow their usage, grow adoption, grow engagement, because you really understand like where your customers are having challenges and where they're falling off. And so being able to take data like that um, and feed it into Marketo to build programs and be able to share that data with Salesforce, which where, you know, where our sales team is working, we can all have better and smarter conversations. So this is what's super interesting to me and something that, you know, we're taking baby steps in right now, but definitely something that I see us being able to grow and scale our business off of. And what are some of these segments that you're able to create with this data that you use? Because obviously you have data, you know, on the, on the product use, on the free trial, on the conversion or where they come from. Can you give me an example of some of these segments that you are kind of able to target this way in a very specific way? Yeah, so um, we've got a couple different things going on. So one of the segments we're looking at is kind of the top of funnel, like people who are coming into the free product um, in our free trial and just understanding what's happening. Um, and we're breaking that down by our business segments. So what's happening in you know, some of our SMB business first mid-market or enterprise? How are people engaging? What are the things that, you know, they're having challenges with in terms of like, you know, is it how you're installing Heap? Is it how you're building dashboards? Is it how you're running queries? Like, where are you getting stuck? And so we've got targeted email campaigns going out that help guide the user on a different journey. So that's one way. And then another use case is on the customer side, right? So kind of similar in that vein, which is like where are customers getting hung up? You know, what's happening with a specific 
segment of our customers or in a specific industry, are there any insights that or product updates and features that we want to tell them about or show them? And so we're using a mix of what we know from you know, our CRM. And then that CRM data is also pushed into Heap so that we can actually build different segments that would then feed into Marketo. So we've got kind of this like closed loop processing going on where we're feeding information, learning, sending it back to activate on in terms of our marketing team, sending that back to sales or customer success to act on. So it's a really good process that we've got going. And I assume, you know, testing is a big part of, of what you do every day. Can you tell us uh, some of the campaigns that you tested in this or program that you tested into this in this last few months uh, at Heap that has worked or didn't work? Yeah, um, so kind of on that same vein, just taking that story a bit further, for customers who sign up for the free trial, we added in you know, a multi-touch uh, email marketing program from a nurture perspective. Um, and so we saw that like, People who weren't installing, when they received these emails, you know, our goal is like, you know, our hypothesis was these people will be more successful if we email them and give them tools or support, right? So that's a pretty basic one. And the reality is like we did see a lift and we saw a pretty significant lift. So that was one test that went well. Um, one of the tests that didn't work so well, um, and that actually was like, you know, it was good thinking. Uh, and something that it was a good learning for us is we tried to really pinpoint people who are doing a very specific action, but there were some updates to that segment that we didn't think through. And so we sent some messages out to existing customers where maybe they had a conversation, you know, a week before with their CSM and maybe it wasn't as relevant and the message wasn't quite right, uh, which also gave us like, you know, a good reminder that when we're running programs on behalf of other teams in our organization, we really need to make sure that our message is honed um, and it doesn't feel too businessy because as I said, like these people could have had a conversation yesterday. Um, so that's just, it's something else that we're taking into consideration more uh, that that learning was like, I think two or three weeks after I started, but it was definitely like, okay, yeah, that it totally makes sense. So things like that are going to help us in the future. And from what you can see on the data, what are some of your uh, top lead sources today? What is most of your good traffic coming from? It's a good question. Uh, this is something we've been digging into. We get a lot from organic and our, our paid channels um, from Google are working really well right now. So we're very excited about that. I would say like those are kind of like the two that are most excited. We're putting a lot of effort into just our organic um, traffic and bringing in more from SEO, uh, but I, I think like SEO and SEM were kind of like the two that we're leaning into the most. So are you guys pushing more on inbound and versus any kind of ABM type of strategy? Well, I will take this to you as a shameless plug. So um, <laughs> we're definitely focusing a lot on inbound, but we're definitely hiring. So um, I just recently hired a field and partner, you know, marketing manager who's gonna come onto the team. And then in addition to that, we are looking for an enterprise marketer. So that job posting is going to go live. And um, we'll be looking to, you know, grow our audiences in a number of ways. Um, but those are the two right now that are working best. And, you know, we're living in this virtual world, but I know field marketing works. I know live events work. I think there's still a lot of room to be 
to be done there in terms of like, you know, how do you get rid of Zoom fatigue? How do you think, how do you make things more interesting? And just the total volume, the sheer volume of online events right now is just really overwhelming for people. So I'm really trying to look at like, what is the right time? What is the right frequency? How do people want to digest information? You know, what is of interest to them? And that's something that the product manager and the engineer, like I know them, but I really want to intimately understand them. And that's something that I'm continuing to learn and and hope to really dive into in the next month or two to really understand like what is important to them and why. Perfect. Awesome. So I have a couple more questions for you before, uh, before I leave you. Uh, First one is how do you track marketing attribution? Do you look at first touch, last touch? How, how's your uh, report? Yes. So right now we're, we're definitely looking a lot on like first touch. That's, that's what we're doing from a business perspective, which you know, completely makes sense for about 200 people. Um, we are looking at how to get more specific and really probably move to a multi-touch model in the near future. Uh, but that's where we're at as of right now. And in terms of like, you know, what's successful, I know that it takes multiple touches to move somebody into a sales cycle and to move them into the closed one. And one of the things I like to see is exactly what's happening and when, and what are people responding to. And as your marketing programs grow, you know, I know that becomes more complex. And so that's something that we're going to be working on from an operational perspective uh, amongst a lot of other things is to just get tighter in terms of like, what does this look like? What areas of the funnel are people moving and what is moving them? And then how are they progressing and what is progressing them outside of, you know, the conversations with, sales directly and speaking of which uh can you tell us a little bit how you work with sales um do you do you have meetings with the sdrs do you have meetings uh regular meeting for uh uh, to discuss goals Uh, like how is uh how is your uh, relationship structure yeah i think i spend more time with our sales team than i do my marketing team like um i spent a lot of the time over the last you know three months working as closely as I can with sales to understand what's happening in their world, how they work. Um, And so marketing is responsible for forecasting. So we forecast out what's going on from an inbound perspective. And um, so we are part of our weekly forecast meetings. I am part of our pipeline meetings as well as others on my team. Um, And gosh, like I meet with the BDRs, my team. So there's three of us right now who are really kind of like moving the needle on the demand engine, I would say, and we're responsible for the reporting. So we meet with them multiple times a week. We have open Slack channels where we're constantly chatting back and forth. I have one-on-ones outside of, uh, you know, the group meetings that I have with some of our sales managers. And because we're in a growth phase, right, you have to keep the conversations going. However, we can do that We'll do that. So live one-on-ones, Slack regularly, reporting meetings. It's very regular. I, I honestly think I spend probably 60% of my time either with or in sales types of conversations. In addition to like working with AEs one-on-one on like, hey, what if we tried this from a deal perspective or would this work? Or what about this price point, especially as we're working on our pricing model? So I'm in a lot of these conversations. That's fantastic. So I have one last question is, can you leave us with uh, uh, a tip or advice about 
you know, le- really looking into the data and leveraging data to drive uh, better demand generation? What is something that everyone should go and look right away? Oh, this is good. Okay, so I'm naturally a skeptic when it comes to data. I always want to see the source of the data. I want to see the actual, like, how is this formatted, right? I The number is one thing, but I really like to look out, you know, that where is it coming from? How is it being processed to validate that it's accurate? So I think um, one of the things that I see regularly is, like, people are looking at these numbers, but it's really what's behind the numbers that makes it valid. And so I'm sure that most people will do this, but the data validation becomes so important when you're looking at conversion rates. The definitions that we have around data and how we're articulating um, the outputs is so important as well, how we're calculating things. Because I've, I've, I've seen it so many times that before I start looking at numbers, I'm like, is this accurate? Show me the underlying data. Um, and that's something that I think as a marketer, you should be looking at and questioning and making sure that like it looks, it's not just looking good or looking bad, but like you understand why. And then the processes that you have moving that data, if it's leads coming in and you're looking at your total lead volume and something looks off, okay, well, how is it being processed? Do you have the right fields? Do you have the right information being appended to it? Right? Are you capturing things 100%? And so I think that's like, to me, the operational piece becomes critical to having data right. So I think that that's like my advice is don't just look at numbers, look at the processes behind them, validate the data that's there so that when you're doing your reporting, you're reporting out on something that you can validate and you believe in. Um, because I see often people throwing out numbers and I've seen it also not be right, which you know causes people to make business decisions that they maybe wouldn't have made if the data data was validated and checked. So that's that's my my guidance there. And even if you're running campaigns, right, like keep data into Marketo, let's validate that that segment is actually capturing the people of segment, the people that we think it should be capturing. So like how can we, you know, check things? I think it's a great advice because I've seen it too many times. <laughs> people making wrong decisions just because the data that they were rely upon was was wrong. Neda, it was absolutely great having you as a guest on the episode today. I really enjoy uh, the conversation. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Franco. It was uh, great to be here. And I really appreciate, appreciate the questions. I think this was a lot of fun.